It's time to put on your North Face jacket and your Isotoner gloves because we're going to make a trip to the Antarctic. That's right. We're going to check out one of the most stunning horror movies ever made. Not only that, but one of the best alien movies ever made. So set aside, Ridley Scott. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about John Carpenter. We're talking about The Thing. Let's go. You have killed and you will kill again. What's up, horror maniacs? Welcome back to another episode of House of Wax. I'm your host, Rick, and today we're going to go through another one of my favorite classic horror movies of all time, the 1982 John Carpenter classic, The Thing. Now, if you're asking yourself, what's The Thing? I suggest you turn this off right now, get your hands out of your pants, go find a copy, and watch it right now. Your life is about to change. Because what we have right here is a story that has more twists and turns and horror and suspense than Charlie Daniels' beard. And it douses you with more claustrophobia than a Hall & Oates album cover. But this movie doesn't start off like a golden goose. Matter of fact, it was kind of hated at the time. When it came out, nobody got it. Even though it's a remake of a classic 50s film that John Carpenter grew up loving, it scared the crap out of him when he's a kid, the remake just came out at possibly the wrong time. It just went over everybody's heads because there was another alien movie that came out that kind of changed people's minds about what it means to be an alien. That movie being E.T. I happen to be a fan of it myself. So this one was totally pushed aside, totally ignored, even called one of the worst movies ever made at the time that it came out. Unbelievable. But finally, it found its crowd. an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. It's a tour de force of some incredible directing, a stellar cast, and the not to mention the groundbreaking effects that's in this Joker unbelievable. This thing is something special. So to jump right in for the opening credits, we have a spaceship that's coming to the Earth's atmosphere and it still looks incredible. 
Yes, it's a model. It's old school filmmaking. No CGI here. But it still looks as good as anything that comes out today. And then the movie title comes up. And it's a total homage to the old original, The Thing from Another World. It looks incredible. So the movie starts off with a Norwegian helicopter chasing a dog across the Antarctic. And they're flying over it and they're shooting at the dog. The dog's just hoofing it across there. Now, I don't know if this is just a Norwegian pastime or historic tradition that they do, but nonetheless, that's what's going on. Then we cut to Outpost 31, a U.S. port that's out in the middle of nowhere in the Antarctic. And everybody's just kind of chilling. You got some people in the rec room hanging out. And you got R.J. McCready, played by Kurt Russell. You know that Kurt Russell and John Carpenter magic that we have so often. He's sitting down and playing chess with a computer, and apparently he's a sore loser. It's at this point they hear the commotion going on with this helicopter flying over, and they see the dog running across. So everybody runs outside, and the dog runs up to the people, or trying to run up to the people. Man, these Norwegians, they hate this dog, man, because they're even like launching hand grenades at this thing, trying to blow it up while it's running. At this point, the dog runs up to the Americans and is looking for shelter. The helicopter lands, and even though the people are standing there, the Norwegian pulls out another hand grenade and goes to lob it towards the people to kill the dog. And it slips out of his hand and falls down close to the helicopter, while one of the other Norwegian people is running with a gun away from the helicopter. The helicopter blows up, and then the other guy who gets up and looks like Racer X just starts shooting randomly, trying to shoot the dog. He doesn't even care that there's people standing over there. He's just randomly shooting, trying to kill this dog. So after he wings a couple of people, <laughs> the dog takes off running, and Racer X goes chasing right after. It gets to another park between some buildings, and one of our commanders in this movie, Commander Gary, ends up shooting Racer X in the head, dropping him dead. That's the end of his story. So back inside the base, they're trying to communicate to the outside world of what's happened here, trying to even at least get over the Norwegian group and say, hey, what's going on? They can't get anybody. So they decide to send McCready, who flies the helicopter, and the doctor back to the Norwegian camp, which is about an hour away, and just see what's the deal with these people. When they get there, it looks like Duke Nukem has blown this place up. And inside one of the complexes, they see some blood that's on the ground. And they follow the trail of blood up to a chair where there's a guy sitting who played the old traditional Norwegian game called Cut Your Own Throat, You Loser. And upon further investigation, they find a room and there's a huge block of ice that's in there. And obviously something was in there that's been taken out. So walking around, they can't find any survivors in this building whatsoever. But outside, there's a whole bunch of mess going on. There's bodies all charred up, burning remains laying everywhere. So what do you do? Well, just like anybody else would do, you grab some of it, throw it in the helicopter, and you take it back with you to your post. So when arriving back to the post, we get some shots of the dog that's running around freely, kind of looking out one of the windows and acting very strange when he sees the helicopter landing. I think this dog knows something. So they let their Cracker Jack biologist Blair check out this meatloaf. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. And during looking at it, he describes that this thing has human organs inside of it. This thing was human, whatever it was. And this thing looks gnarly, man. It's all twisted up. You can't tell what body part is connected to another body part if it's several bodies combined. Can't really tell. It's a mess. So Blair decides he wants to look at it even more. Now, I'm no rocket scientist, but I believe if I was Blair, my first recommendation would be get this crap outside. Now we cut to a guy named Bennings who's really annoyed because the dog is running around everywhere. You got to remember, these guys are locked up, isolated by themselves for long periods of time. It doesn't take much to get everybody tweaked out. 
So Clark gets the dog, takes him out to the kennel, and puts the dog in with all the other dogs. The only bad thing is the new dog is now consuming the other dogs. And the new dog starts transforming into something that looks like it'd fall out of Dom DeLuise's butt. How bad is it? Man, it's so bad that one of the other dogs is chewing on the fence, the metal fence, to get out of there. That's how bad this thing is. So Clark comes back, hearing all the commotion, he unlocks the kennel door. A couple of the dogs jump out to save their own lives. And this creature starts trying to come out too, and he gets the door shut back in time. And while this is going on, McCready hears the noise and decides to pull the fire alarm. What that does is calls on all hands on deck, and they all run out to the kennel, and they see some crazy stuff right here. They see the creature transforming right before their eyes, changing from a dog into this other thing. But what it's doing is it's also grabbed another dog. It's got its tentacles or whatever wrapped around it, and it's squeezing the life out of it, and it's taking its body and consuming it and turning into something else and the dog is still alive so they decide to shoot the dog that's dying they kill it and in the process the new dog or whatever this thing is sprouts a couple of big gnarly looking arms that come up out of it and it reaches up to the ceiling and pulls itself up to the ceiling they bust out a flamethrower and they fry this sucker so what do we do now well we're gonna take what we just burned up and take it to blair again let him check it out there's a time you gotta go and show you grow and now you know about the facts of life. And once again, while Blair is checking out the leftovers of this hot dog casserole, he finds out that this thing can imitate and mutate into anything that it touches. Pretty nasty. So they start looking at some of the data that they got when they were back at the Norwegian base to try to put some pieces of this puzzle together to find out what's really happened. And in some of this data is some information of a spot that's out in the middle of nowhere where the Norwegians were hanging out. So they go out to the location and they find this huge spaceship that's sitting there. Also off to the side, there's a big square cut out of the ground. Obviously, that's the one we saw earlier in the movie. Boy, these Norwegians really know how to party. So McCready and crew come back and they start telling everybody about what they found out at the site. And then Child spouts out and says that he don't believe in this voodoo BS. I just cannot believe any of this voodoo bullshit. Come on, man, it's Keith David. You gotta love it. Then we cut to Blair sitting at his computer, and apparently he's creating the game of asteroids. And he starts getting paranoid because the computer tells him this thing could assimilate the entire world very, very quickly. But then we have a confrontation between R.J. McCready and then a guy named Fuchs, who wants to spend a little alone time with R.J. R.J. says, it ain't that kind of party. But anyways, they decide to meet up later on outside so nobody can hear what they're talking about. They move the remains of these bodies into a storage building and going to lock it up and keep it away. They claim it's going to get them a Nobel Peace Prize or some stupid thing like that for finding a charred body. Haven't figured that out yet. And then Bennings is left alone in this room with this thing for a little bit. And you see some goo starting to come out from underneath a cover that they covered it up with. Then we cut to RJ and Fuchs outside. And Fuchs is telling RJ about... I think Blair is acting really strange. He's starting to stay away from everybody. He's acting really weird. And he also talks about something he found in Blair's notes about these charred bodies still having cellular activity going on in these things while they're even though they're burned up. So they're not even dead. To this time, we have a guy named Windows that comes in to find Bennings and says, hey man, we need to go. And he can't find Bennings and he looks over in the corner and Bennings is over there like a big bloody burrito. And Windows takes off running to go find help. And when he gets McCready and company, they run back inside. And Bennings is no longer there. But they do notice that one of the windows is busted out. And they look out across there and they can see somebody running. So they hoof it out there. They surround Bennings. 
And it's not Bennings. And of course, this guy should have been killed a long time ago just because the kind of a-hole that he was. But these effects right here, pretty incredible. Still nightmarish. Still one of the images I think of when I think of this movie. Just the fact of him sitting there, making that noise, and those messed up hands that he's got. Terrifying. So at this point, McCready decides he's going to burn this bastage up. And this really starts to set the pace for everything that is to come. Who is it? What is it? Anybody could be it. Nobody could be it. You're being programmed right now to just start picking sides and you don't know if you're going to win or lose. Your brain is being programmed to go out of control. And just like Stormy Daniels, you just keep taking a beating from this point on. So because of these events, they decide to grab all the charred bodies that they got, pile them all up, and just have a big barbecue. It's at the barbecue they realize they can't find Blair. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. Blair is missing. What they don't know is in this process, Blair is going around and destroying every way out of here, every machine, every computer, getting rid of all of it to keep everybody there because he thinks if we keep it contained here, nobody leaves, then it won't get to the rest of the world. Or he's the alien. They find Blair in one of the control rooms just smashing everything with an axe, and they just ransack him and grab him, and they decide to throw him out in the tool shed to keep him calm for a while. So at this point, they decide to come up with some kind of test to be able to tell who's okay, who's not, how do they take care of this situation. So they come up with this idea of checking the blood to see if there's anything in the blood. If it's contaminated, we would know it. They go to find the blood supply that they have set back, and somebody's broken into it and destroyed all of it. It's all gone. The only person that's got a key is Commander Gary. He lets the doctor have the key when he needs to get into it, so he's the only one with a key, so everybody's already suspicious of Commander Gary. Later on that afternoon, RJ goes and finds Fuchs studying, and he asks him if he's come up with any of the new information. He's got a couple of new ideas, and he's jotting some stuff down. When McCready leaves, the lights go out. Somebody's blown a fuse. So during that process, Fuchs gets up, and he's walking around in the dark trying to replace the fuse. And when he does so, he sees a figure dash through in the night, right? So he decides to chase him outside. And when he gets out there, he finds a piece of material on the ground that has McCready's name on it. Kind of suspicious now that it may be McCready. Who knows? Now Fuchs ends up missing for a while. Everybody's worried about it, and they've lost total confidence in Commander Gary. So they're going to let... RJ take control of the situation. He puts a group together. We're going to go find Fuchs. And when they find him, he's burned up. They've kind of come up with the idea. They think that possibly he burned himself alive to keep from getting assimilated. Maybe he ran into the alien. Don't really know. But I will tell you this. If I was going to commit suicide, fire would be way down the list of, of how I would want to kill myself. I would almost rather have Jason Voorhees pick me up in a sleeping bag and slam me against a tree. That's quite a few steps higher than setting myself on fire. While outside, they notice that in McCready's shop up there, there's a light on that's not supposed to be on. Time to investigate. So after they've been gone for about 45 minutes investigating, everybody else that's still in the camp is starting to say, maybe they're not going to make it back. We can't take our chances. They start blockading all the doors, all the ways in to keep anybody from coming back in that shouldn't be coming in. One of our other teammates was out there with McCready, has cut McCready loose and lost him out in the storm and made his way back because he found that same piece of material that Fuchs found earlier. So he also thinks McCready is part of the issue. 
So they think about blockading McCready out, but what they don't know is he goes around the other side and gets into the supply room. Then the rest of the group jumps in there, tries to stop him, and he's holding everybody hostage with some dynamite. That's the kind of guy we're talking about. In the process, a couple of guys try to come in behind him and grab him. In doing so, he knocks them off of him, still threatening with the dynamite. And it causes Norris to fall on the ground and starts having a heart attack. So from this point, they call the doctor in. They take Norris. They take him into the operating room. And we get one of the most incredible, insane series of things that happen in a movie ever. Ever. Which leads us to my favorite part of this show called... Can your movie do that? How do they do that anyway? Off to the side while McCready is still trying to clear his name and say, no, I'm not an alien. We've got them trying to rehabilitate Norris on this operating table. We're starting off with just doing the chest pumps and all this kind of stuff. Then they decide to bring out the defibrillator. And this scene is just absolutely incredible. I've never seen anything like this before in any movie. He goes to hit him with a defibrillator. First time, gets a little zap. Second time he goes in, and his arms just go right into the body. Clear. I have watched this scene so many times, trying to put together the pieces of how this was put together. This is not CGI. This is early 80s. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. The other side of this is the body starts transforming into something else. It opens up and all these tentacles and stuff start coming out. And again, we get another creature that loves to go up to the ceiling and grab itself, but it's still got a mutated head of Norris on it. <laughs> Just freaky looking stuff, man. When you can't describe what's on the screen, you made some pretty powerful special effects. But while everybody's fighting the thing on the ceiling and trying to shoot it with the flamethrower, which they set it on fire, in the process, the head of Norris on Norris's body starts pulling itself off and it starts hanging off the edge of a table, drops down to the ground, shoots out like a tentacle tongue to a table, a chair or something, and it pulls itself across the floor. Then, to get out of there, it decides to spread out some legs out of its head, a couple of little eyeballs, and it takes off running across the floor. It's trying to sneak out of the room, but they see it just in time to throw a flamethrower at it. It really is one of those scenes that has to be seen to be believed. It's just so over the top. Absolutely amazing work. And it all happens because of top-notch editing and just some incredible effects. It's an absolute high mark in horror filmmaking. Can your movie do that? Ain't no way. Ain't no way. So yeah, get that crap out of my face because we got a whole lot of other stuff to talk about right here. So what they're going to do is draw a little blood now, right? And Charles decides, uh-uh, I'm not going to be strapped down anything and let you cut on me. I don't know if you're the alien or not. But McCready insists at gunpoint. I think it's at this point everybody realizes McCready means what he says. So everybody is now strapped down except for Windows. He's got Windows helping him gather the blood samples from everybody. So we're cutting people's thumbs, putting it in a little Petri dish, and then we're going to do this sample. So we're going through and collecting everybody's blood. And while this is going on, we get an explanation of this test. If it's normal blood, it won't do anything. If it's infected blood, it will try to survive. It will react somehow. So how do we get it to react? Well, he's going to take a piece of wire, heat it up, and stick that wire in there, and it should singe the blood, and that should give us a reaction. 
And what's brilliant about this whole scene is even the ones that are okay are scared because there's the fear of maybe I'm infected and I don't even know it. Everybody's at risk here. That's fantastic because you're just guessing again. You have no idea. So for a great jump scare, we find out that it's Palmer. And he has the infected blood. And being that everybody's kind of tied together right here on this couch, Palmer starts transforming again, trying to get away. He finally shakes and transforms enough that, again, he goes flying up to the ceiling and just splats on the ceiling. And he stays up there for a while. McCready's trying to crank the, the flamethrower. Everybody else is screaming, untie me, untie me. Lots of chaos going on. He can't get the flamethrower going. So Windows picks up another flamethrower, runs over, and then this creature jumps down right in front of him. His head splits open. Yeah. Clamping on Windows' head. And he's shaking his body all over the place. Totally bonkers. At this point, he finally lets Windows go and he goes flying across the room. And then McCready gets the flamethrower to working. He barbecues this Joker and he takes off running through a wall and lands out in the snow. Another throwback to the old original movie. And when he goes out there, he, he's had enough of this crap. So he, instead of just doing more flamethrower, he just blows him up with some dynamite. Fantastic. Comes back inside. Windows is laying there and he's starting to change too. Fries that Joker as well. McCready's taking care of business. So what do we do now? Well, guess what? We're not done with the test yet. So let's test everybody else. After doing all the tests, we're down to our final five people, including Blair, who we haven't done the blood test to. So that's the point now, is everybody's going to get together, go up and find Blair and do the blood test and see where he stands. When they get out to the building they locked him into, he's not there. He's gone. When they're inside that building, they notice that some of the floor pieces are loose. So they pull it up, and there's a tunnel that's been burred out that's underneath there. And when they crawl down there to find Blair, they find a makeshift spaceship. That's right. This alien is trying to find its way off of here to another planet or just somewhere more tropical, I guess. But it's trying to get out of this place. And while they're down here looking at this ship, one of the other guys sees Childs running across the front of the, the, the building. Don't know where he's going, but you just see him kind of split across. It's at this point that the creature kind of realizes everything's been exposed. There's no way out. So he decides to do a big freeze out. He's going to create a problem for the generator, blow the generator up. That way there's no heat. Everybody's going to freeze to death. All the humans will die from freezing. Then he can hibernate until maybe this rescue crew comes back and then it can start all over again. That's what the alien's thinking. But McCready comes up with a plan as well. Instead of freezing everything, we're going to burn everything. So he's going to burn this sucker down. In the process of doing so, they're going room to room and just dropping off bombs, blowing up each room as they go along. And then they tell Gary to go check on the generator room. And in the process of doing so, he runs into Blair. And suddenly you're finding out the facts of life are all about you. who basically takes his hand and just smashes it into his face. And he's like, you can see it, just, his hands going inside of his face, transforming. It's killer. McCready's in another room getting ready to blow up another section of the building. And he's laying out the dynamite. And he thinks that one of the guys has returned. So he turns to look and he notices that something's not right so he goes and look in the room and all of a sudden he realizes it must be this alien coming after him 
So he takes off running, and this thing, apparently now, is just a conglomeration of all the different people that it's absorbed. It's gotten very huge in size, and it can travel underground, so you get like it's just digging up the ground as it's running underneath, chasing McCready. McCready lights a stick of dynamite, and then this thing jumps up through a hole in the ground, and it's just one of the weirdest looking concoctions of a monster you've ever seen. And again, with it being parts of different DNA and all these animals and stuff it's consumed, it stands up and then its stomach pops out like a transformed dog from earlier. <laughs> it's just nasty. So with a few choice words, McCready takes a stick of dynamite, throws it at the monster, and then kablowie. Monster is dead. So now you got McCready stumbling around with everything behind him on fire. He sits down to rest, and out of nowhere comes Childs. So again, where's Childs been? Well, apparently Blair locked him up, kept him from getting loose. That's the story anyways. So we still don't know if Childs is an alien, if McCready is an alien, but all they do is sit there and wait, possibly freezing to death. And that's basically how this movie ends. The two of them sitting there talking to each other. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. It's a great way to close the movie. So this movie that no one got when it came out is a masterpiece in suspense, terror, claustrophobia, storytelling, and it's all within the confines of two or three little buildings. The isolation of this movie is just as important as the creature itself. That feeling alone makes you uncomfortable. And it's also one of those forerunners of showing more of the creature. It's going against that motto of less is more. Now we're really starting to turn the lights on things and letting you see these things happen, all these effects. And man, even by today's standards, even with the CGI, even with the prequel, which I will say I thought was pretty decently done, but you still can't reach the level of intensity and the incredible power that this first movie has. It's, it's a force to be reckoned with, folks. But still, at the end of the day, it comes down to storytelling. What good are the best effects in the world if you don't have a story to tell? They're obsolete. These are the reasons why this movie is more popular now than ever, because it really drives home a lot of these factors that now we see kind of time and time again in other movies. This one was just setting a standard we just didn't know it yet. So if you don't have this one in your collection, you've missed out on one of the greatest horror suspense movies ever made. This has been House of Wax, and I'm hoping you're enjoying this as much as I am. And if you have any suggestions for some movies that you'd like to see covered on this show, just drop them in the comments down here. We'd be glad to tackle them for you. Till then, folks, we will check you later. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, how would you like to actually see it? Check out the House of Wax channel on YouTube and have access to content that will only be available on that channel. Don't forget while watching this, click that subscribe button down there at the bottom. That way you know when the next show is coming up. Also, don't be a jerk. Go check out Legion Podcast. You see the shirt right here where you can buy this very shirt, all kinds of other merchandises. Not to mention the incredible lineup of horror podcasts that are on that show. Do yourself a favor. Go check it out right now. So what you gonna do now? Huh?